Today, uh, I want to change the title of my message. I'm going to shorten it and shorten the message too. Aren't you glad? I want you to take off when in the title. Instead, I want to call it, you're in a battle. Not when you're in a battle, you're in a battle. Say that to your neighbor. You're in a battle. You're in a battle. Yeah, you and I are in a battle. We're not at peacetime. The Bible says we are in a battle constantly. And it's a battle that rages for the throne of our life, for our very soul. It's not against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6 says we're in a battle against Satan and his demonic forces. Unseen spiritual warfare is what it's called. And so we're in this battle, and the Bible refers to battles over and over again. At least 200 times the word battle is used in the Bible. And a lot of times these battles are real flesh and blood battles, but the behind the battle and the cause of the battle is Satan who is always out to destroy God's people. And so that's why we read this section in Isaiah chapter 36. But this recording of this battle is in two other places within the Bible. It's in the book of Chronicles, and it's also in the book of Kings. And so why does God put this battle in the Bible three different times? I think it's because it's important. Because he wants his people to remember how the battle came about, what the strategy of the enemy was, and how you can fight your battle that you're facing even right now in your life. And there's many different kinds of battles that we're facing. We're facing inner battles that wage war against our heart. It can be a battle for your sexual purity. It can be a battle for a relationship that you see that there's something going wrong with somebody that you really care about, and they're in a battle, and you're concerned for them. It can be a battle over a decision that you're facing, a major decision in your life. It could be financial You could be in the midst of a lawsuit. There's so many different kinds of battles that we find ourselves in, but we're constantly in a battle. And so, for believers of God, for faithful followers of Jesus, he tells us to remember that you're in this battle, but not to fear the battle. 1 Peter 2.11 says, The sinful nature wages war against our soul. And later on in that same book, in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, Satan goes about as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, but resist him standing firm in the faith. Because you know your brothers throughout the world are going through the same kinds of suffering. So the Apostle Peter in in the New Testament and the Old Testament, they are facing issues that confront their faith, that can intimidate them, that can cause them to give up, that can cause them to kind of say, This is too overwhelming for me. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now, but I can tell you that the enemy of your soul wants you to give up. He wants you to quit. He wants you to try to live independently from God, and this has always been a tactic of his. You know, we can actually learn a lot about some of Satan's strategies in spiritual warfare by studying the Bible and also about the military strategies of some of the warriors of old. 
In his book, Head Game, author Tim Down writes this. Psychops stand for psychological operations, a form of warfare as, an old, as old as the art of war itself. An early example of this can be found in the battle strategies of Alexander the Great. On one occasion, when his army was in full retreat from a larger army, he gave the orders to his armorers to construct oversized breastplates and helmets that would fit men seven or eight foot tall. And as his army would retreat, he would leave these items for the pursuing army to discover. And when the enemy would find the oversized gear, they would be demoralized by the thought of fighting such giant soldiers. And they would abandon their pursuit. You see, Satan likes to play head games with us too, often leaving us demoralized by fear or doubt. We assume Satan is bigger or greater than he really is. Sometimes we think our problems and the issues that we're facing are bigger than God can handle. But God is never overpowered. The quickest way to come against our enemy, Psychops, is to discern the truth of the situation and to trust ourselves to the mercy and faithfulness of God. This is what we do in prayer. This is what we do in worship. This is what we do when we study the Bible. We remember that God is one that can be trusted. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords who loves us. Nothing is too difficult for him. But you may be saying, yeah, but I'm facing something in my marriage. I'm facing something in my job. I'm facing a boss that doesn't really, uh, isn't concerned about me. I'm facing a layoff. I'm facing a financial situation. Or I'm facing an issue in school or in a relationship. I want to tell you that God is able to work very personally in our lives when we turn to Him. He's able to do things that we can't do ourselves. And that's why we turn to him in a battle and in the midst of our battle. The time when Isaiah lived, and we've been going through a study in the book of Isaiah for the last several weeks, and we're here at chapter 36. And Isaiah has been a prophet for over 34 years. He's been continually preaching a message of trust in God. Not in idols, not in other things, not in other armies, not in your own resources, not in yourself. Trust in God and follow Him. And the people have heard this for 34 years, and they just about are tired of it. And some of the people haven't even listened to it at all. In fact, Isaiah was a prophet during the time of King Ahaz, and King Ahaz was a king who just disregarded the things of God. He set up idols and he set up places to worship other than in Jerusalem and people would even sacrifice their children to these idols. And so it had become very wicked and then his son Hezekiah became the king and he tore down these places, these high places, and he destroyed them and he told everybody, come back to the temple and worship the one true God. And people began to do it. And there was a beginning of a revival that was taking place there. And then what happens is this battle. Hezekiah and his people are in Jerusalem. They've seen one city fall after the next city by the Syrian king, Sennacherib. And he has taken over every city. He's even destroyed most of Egypt's army. Ethiopia's army, places that 
King Hezekiah has made alliances with, and he's depending on them for some of their weapons and some of their military to come and help him when the Assyrians come, and they can't do it. Hezekiah is by himself. The people of God are by themselves. And here comes the army approaching 185,000 soldiers surrounding Jerusalem. They've just taken over the city of Lachish, which was the next outpost that was supposed to protect them, and they've destroyed that. And Isaiah is facing the battle of his life, and King Hezekiah is facing the battle of his life. Isaiah the prophet, Hezekiah the king, and as Pastor Peter read, they send out these three guys and they... Uh, three advisors, and they come and talk to the field commander that's there. And the field commander begins by using his psych ops, right? And this is what he says. The field commander said to them, tell Hezekiah, tell this king of yours. This is what the great king, the king of Assyria says. And what are you basing your confidence on, right? You say you have counsel and might for war, you sp- but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look, I know you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it, such as Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. What he was saying was, I've, I've already defeated the person you're depending on. And so there's sometimes... If we make a spiritual analogy to this, do you know sometimes we placing our hope in other things rather than on God? Sometimes we're placing our hope in just our bank account. Sometimes we're placing our hope in all the, our family or in our marriage or in our children. And there's nothing wrong to love our family, our children, or even to take care of the financial concerns that we have. But when those things begin to be touched, when those things begin to go some, some way sideways in our lives, it can really touch our faith. It can really cause us to lose, lose confidence in God. And it's sometimes we can become overwhelmed. But this is what, I, this is what Hezekiah was going through at this time in his life. And this is what the people of God were were going through. And so they surround the whole country, and then he goes on even further. He says, but if you say to me, we're depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose highest places and altars Hezekiah removes, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar? And this is where the field commander makes a mistake, and oftentimes Satan oversteps his bounds in your life, right? Right? Because what you do is you begin to make decisions that really draw you closer to God, but sometimes it's a sacrifice. There's sometimes that God causes us to say, okay, uh, if you really trust me with your finances, why don't you give to my kingdom work? And then we do. And then we step out in faith and do that. And then all of a sudden, something happens in our job. And we get shaken. We said, hey, God, I thought you were going to bless me in my finances, and I gave you, I gave you this, these finances. I thought I was going to be blessed. And then there's this time where you have to trust in God to rely upon him because you really were obedient to God in what he called you to do, 
but then you're shaken by it as well because it didn't go as you had planned. I've always seen that God is always faithful to supply everything he needs for his children. And this is what the commander had said. He kind of went against what Hezekiah was doing. He had actually stopped the cycle of sin in his family. From King Uzziah, King Ahaz had set up uh, idols and altars to worship false gods. And Hezekiah had said, no, that's enough. I'm going to honor God. And it was the very thing that Satan or this field commander started to attack him on and question him, causing doubts in his life. You really can't follow God like that. And that's what, that's what can happen in our lives as well. When we give our all to Jesus Christ, when we say, God, I want you in my life, I want you to lead me and guide me, he will take you up on that. But you will still have to battle, at times, fear and doubt and even confusion. So don't get discouraged if that's happening to you today. But this is what the next psychop he does. He says, come, now let's make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I'll give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How then can you repulse one officer at the least of my master's officials, even though you're depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? He's saying, look it, I'll give you 2,000 chariots if you can put anybody on them. But it's ridiculous, you can't. And so sometimes when we are facing a step of faith and we're taking a faith-filled risk and we're following after God and he's telling us and he's leading us and guiding us, a lot of times the enemy will say, you can't do that. They'll try to discourage us. They'll try to say, you know, that's, that's too... Uh, you're, you're taking too great of a risk in following God this way. It's a tactic of the enemy to try to intimidate, to try to cause fear and confusion in our life. Uh, Jesus said this. He said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What Jesus was saying, please live your life in me. And then when you face difficulties, I will be with you because apart from me, you can do nothing. Don't live independent from a close relationship with the living God. And so a great temptation of ours is to take things into our own hands to try to fix the problems that we're going through, the battles that we're going through. We take them into our own hands, and a lot of times it gets worse. But if we would depend upon God, if we turn it over to the Lord, he would come through and minister in a way and bless us in a way that we never realized he could do. But the field commander continued up this uh, message. In fact, he even yelled to the people that were on the wall watching the whole scene. And uh, Hezekiah's official said, please, don't speak to them in the language that they can understand, Aramaic. Don't, don't speak to them in Aramaic. And he went right ahead and he kept on yelling. You know, there's sometimes when the voices of our doubt and fear shout louder than what God says. And we have to be prepared for that. This is how Hezekiah and the people react. But the people, it says in verse 21 of, of chapter 36, but the people remained silent and said nothing in reply because the king had commanded, do not answer him. There's sometimes when we just have to be quiet. 
We have to quiet ourselves in the midst of the battle that we're going through. And we have to quiet ourselves and hear what God is saying. Because if we react right away, a lot of times we are reacting in our own emotion or reaction, and it's not in faith. The people remained silent, and they waited on what God was going to say. Isaiah chapter 37 says, this is what Hezekiah says. This is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace is when children come to the moment of birth and there's no strength to deliver them. He's saying, this is an impossible situation. We don't have the strength to defeat this army. And he was concerned. And then he begins to pray, it may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the field commander whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. So he told his people, let's pray about this. Let's take this battle that we're in and really lay it before God and come humbly before him and say, God, I can't do this, but I'm turning it over to you. This often happens when we're going through, when we get a bad uh, medical report back or to somebody that we love. You realize that their doctors are somewhat limited in what they can do. And we have to turn to God and we have to say, God, you have to do something even greater. Of course, it's not wrong to go to medical science. We should go to the doctors. But we oftentimes need more than what they can offer. And God is able to do amazing things when we do that. I'm sure you've been in a time of crisis that you've learned this as well. When you're in a battle and you turn to God and he comes through and he answers prayer and he does something that only he could do. That's when God enters in and fights our battles. And he's able to do that. Hezekiah, he says this, Hezekiah received a letter from the messengers and read it. And when he went up to the temple of the Lord, he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. So he took this letter, he took the situation that he was in, and he just spread it out. I don't know how big the letter was, but it must have been a pretty big letter. (laughs) Have you ever had problem upon problem upon problem upon problem? Wakes you up at night. You wake up at 3 in the morning thinking about it. And what God wants us to do, I always remember this phrase here, he laid it out before the Lord. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what we need to do. When we're becoming overwhelmed in situations in our life, God wants us to lay it out before him. He knows it. He knows what we're going through. It could be grief, it could be loss, it could be something that we've gone through in the past but it continues to to be something that continues to to rage in our soul. He said, I'm just going to spread it out before you, Lord. And he begins to pray. I remember after living in Newark for 12 years, I had been in a ministry there, an inner city ministry, and I had tried to help so many people in crisis, tried to help at-risk youth in the streets, some drug addicts, some people in gangs, and we would bring them into our home 
and we would try to take care of them. And um, a lot of those same children grew up years later. We rescued them for a few years, but some of those same children ended up becoming drug addicts. Some of them ended up in prison, and worse, I had to do some of their funerals. And it was after 12 years of doing this and being involved in crisis after crisis, I, I just, I was worn out. I was like, what, what um, Hezekiah said, man, it's like, I don't have any strength left. I have no strength left. And so I went to see a counselor, and so, uh, you know, I, they asked, said, Al, you should go see a counselor. Because I was ready to give up and quit. I said, I want somebody else to do this ministry. I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. I can't do it. And the voices in my head were like that field commander. Kept on saying, boy, you don't have what it takes. You're not very good. You might as well give up and quit and surrender and leave. And when I went to the counselor, he said, you know, Al, what you're dealing with is compassion fatigue. And you've just cared so much that you've worn yourself out trying to help so many people and you just don't have the strength. And I realized, man, I cannot be the Savior. Jesus has got to save people. He's got to intervene and work in people's life. And I began to pray more than I restored me and helped me to overcome. See, God has the ability, when we humble ourselves, when we recognize what is the... What is the situation that we're going through? What is the battle that we're going through? What do we have to lay before him? He's able to intervene and work. And this is what Isaiah, uh, this is what Hezekiah praised. And Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is after he prays. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, he prayed, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heaven. Give ear, Lord. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. And then at that moment, after, I, after Hezekiah prays, Isaiah comes in and he says this. This is what the Lord says, the God of Israel says, because you've prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, he will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return, and he will not enter the city, declares the Lord. The Bible says that when Hezekiah prayed this prayer and Isaiah said this, a few days later, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185 thousand in the Assyrian camp. One angel of the Lord. Powerful. That's how powerful God is. When the, when the odds are stacked against 185,000 to 2,000 or 3,000, God is able to make the difference. So what about you? What about me? What about the situation that we're in? What are some action steps when you're in the spiritual battle. Learn to discern what God is doing in your life. Is the enemy of your soul tempting you with complacency? Is he tempting you with doubt or fear when it comes to your faith in God? 
It's a time in our lives to go back to what the promises of God say. It's a time to go back to re-renew our faith in the living God and His promises. You see, Hezekiah said, this is what you said, Isaiah? This is from the Lord? I'm going to trust you. The same thing can happen when we lay hold of the promises of God. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. That's what the Bible says is that when we humble ourselves before God, when we lay it out before the Lord, He's able to answer. That's what Hezekiah did. Pray about everything. Begin to spend time with God. Listen to to His Word. If you need to confess your sin and repent of it, do so. So a lot of times, the Bible says Satan is an accuser of the brethren. So he will accuse you of a lot of different things. He'll accuse you of not spending enough time in God's Word. He'll accuse you of not being as faithful as you could be to go to church. He'll accuse you of you have no right standing before God. How dare you ask Him for help at this time because you haven't been paying your dues. You haven't been following the way you should. And pretty soon, if you listen to those words and you listen to those things going on in your mind, pretty soon you're pretty much out of the battle. You're ready to say, well... I guess I just don't have what it takes. But at that moment, at that weakest time in your life is the time to turn to God. The weakest time in our lives is the time to humble ourselves before God and ask Him for the strength that He alone can give and to recognize that we're in a spiritual battle. It says this, That's why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so at that moment, in times of confusion, in times of doubt, in times when we feel the weakest, we come to the living God and we say, God, I need your help. I need your strength. And then the third thing to do is thank God that he's with you. That, he, that you can trust that he's fighting your battles. He is a God who is able to do beyond what we can do ourselves. But we need to come to him, trust him. And then begin to watch and pray and see what God does. That's the most exciting part of this whole message is when you know you're in a battle and you begin to trust God, you begin to see God working and moving and the enemy fleeing. The enemy of your soul fleeing. And instead of those words coming at your mind that attack you, what you're going to hear is God's love, His power, His faithfulness, that He is with you, that He is God Emmanuel, the one that's with you. Your faith will be restored and strengthened. So I want to encourage you today to take those steps of faith. And if you need prayer, if you need prayer about anything today, we want to pray with you. Maybe you're going through a battle that you just feel overwhelmed with. I remember when I was going through those most difficult times in my uh, spiritual life, I ended up visiting my home church. And it was exactly the message that I needed the pastor was preaching on. And I went up to him afterwards. I said, would you pray for me? Because it was at that time, I, it would have been 14 years later, I had left Newark and I was in a transition time. 
And I said, you know, I need God's strength. I need his help. I, need, I don't want to quit the ministry. I want God to restore me. And God did. He was faithful to do that. So what are you going through? Let God be at work in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word to us today. Lord, even as we see the battles that are in the Bible, we can trust and rely upon you because you are the one that fights our battles. You're the one that defeated sin and Satan and even death on the cross. You're the one that has the victory. And Lord, you say to remain in you and your victory becomes our victory. And our battles become your battles. And Lord, you've never lost a battle. So we turn our eyes to you. We turn our hearts to you. Even in our minds and in our lives right now, we lay before you, just like Hezekiah did, the letters from the enemy. We lay before you the words, the thoughts, the feelings that we may have that are not from you. And Lord, we ask you to intervene. We ask you to be our Savior, our Deliverer, the Lord, the God Almighty that you are. Pray this in Jesus' mighty name.